you will have um, heard that there's a general election coming up. We're going to have a general election, they said. It'll be fun, they said. And the UK went, yes! That's what we need to launch us into the summer. It is our responsibility as citizens. It is our responsibility as people of God to get involved, to get stuck in, to understand, to play our part, to uh, make our mark in the uh, in the correct box, whatever the correct box would be, to be aware of the issues and above all else, to pray and support those who are in our public life. So I've invited the candidates of the main parties uh, to be with us over these coming weeks. Uh, forward slash general election 2017 on our website. It's got the dates and everything, the interviews and so on will go on there as well. And it's our pleasure today to welcome Adrian Hyrolinen Trett. Did I get that right? Uh, Liberal Democrat candidate for Ipswich. Would you give him a Burlington welcome as he comes? Great, it's lovely to have you with us. It's a mad dash these five weeks. Uh, you look fresh and ready to go. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing how you look in five weeks' time. Tell us just a little bit about yourself um, and perhaps your connection to Ipswich. Oh, good morning, everyone. And firstly, it's a pleasure to be here. You are my first engagement of these next five weeks, so I will remember it fondly in a, in a very beautiful, beautiful place. So it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I am an East, Ang- East Anglian boy. I have to admit I'm not completely from Ipswich. But as East as Norwich, Norwich, very quiet. Norwich. But um, I have been. My family and whole sort of relatives all come from East Anglia, so I understand some of the issues, some of the difficulties that are particular to our area, and this includes the whole of Ipswich as well. So obviously, um, I have a reasonable understanding of um, some of the very localized issues that we have here. But I'm also aware that this general election is going to be fought on some very big national issues. Um, and that's why I'm standing in the Ipswich constituency in, um, on June the 8th. Being a politician must be a nightmare in public life. In that sense, uh, th- th- there would be on your life and others a sense of calling, a sense of vocation, something bigger than just something I'm going to do to earn some money. Uh, tell us a little bit about that sense of calling for you. And perhaps what are the values that undergird that sense of calling? Okay, that's a very good question. Um, for me, um, being in politics is about serving the public. It's not about earning money. It's actually about representing the views of the constituency that you are standing in. And therefore, for me, it's more of a... It, it is a, a sort of a duty to the people that you are representing and ensuring that the values that the Liberal Democrats hold of equality, community, diversity tolerance and open and being united is something that I value and something that I would want to share and represent those people of Ipswich in Parliament so they have that understanding that that is the reason I'm doing it. I'm not a career politician. I'm not interested in money or banks or all sorts of other things that I'm sure you see in the papers. I'm here because I want to represent you because that's that's what Parliament is for. Tell us perhaps just uh, uh, in a snapshot, any faith or religious convictions? Uh, where, where are you on the spectrum? Right, now I, have to, I was brought up uh, at the Church of England school, um, but currently I am sort of a non-believer, stroke agnostic, stroke atheist, but I think everyone has the right to have their own belief. 
It's personal to them, and whether you agree or disagree, it's not the issue. Everyone has the right to have that belief, uh, whatever they believe, as long as it doesn't affect it in the public and policy um, situational forum. And that's why, I'm, being a Liberal Democrat, you have to be liberal. And not everyone agrees on everything. Not everyone has the same values on everything. But you have to respect each other, and that's part of our main strapline of being open, tolerant, and united. So perhaps I can jump in there. Tim Farron then was hounded, wasn't he, for his, for his Christian views. Yeah. And uh, as a result, it appeared that he changed his view in the journey because of that hounding. What should be done to protect freedom of speech, and particularly for Christians to express freely, effectively long-held traditional views, which is exactly what he was expressing? I think this is where, where unfortunately, our politics becomes very difficult because it's uh, politics of personality rather than the poli a public, uh, politics of policy. Um, if you're a leader of a party, um, you have to espouse the views that your party believes in. Now, having Christian views can be difficult in some, in some particular areas, and I fully recognize that as an, as an openly gay man. I know that there are difficulties with that issue um, with, for, for different religions, and not just the Christianity, but Islam and Judaism and others as well. So, but you have to be accepting of all, all those people and all those different views, and I know, I know Tim very well. Um, it's a difficult struggle. And therefore, having a personal faith that's to yourself and having a public sphere where you have to represent your party's views is a very difficult um, combination. Uh, for me, it's much easier. I don't have any faith or religious uh, convictions. So for me, I go with what, everyone, whatever, what anyone thinks in terms of being liberal. So, and that's the key key word. If you can accept somebody for who they are, that's all that matters. You don't need to judge them. You don't need to ask them whether they've had gay sex as a sin or not. I don't actually think it's worthy of a political debate going down to those fine details of what somebody thinks. As long as that person is open, tolerant, and respectful, then that's the key message that our party gives, and that's what we believe in. So, so just a quick sentence then. Mm. So does Tim Farron in some way rule himself out of representing in that kind of way because he nails his colours personally to the mast? That's, I think that's some of our anxiety yeah. that as Christian people we want to say, this is who we are, but, but obviously with fairness and openness and equality, we want to represent people if that was our role and task. And that is the problem we have, and I'm afraid this is our media that does create this problem. Um, Theresa May, as you all know, is a, is a daughter of a vicar, she probably has very strong religious beliefs. But has she been questioned on it? No, she hasn't. And I think that's partly, I'm afraid, a media bias on a particular issue, which some newspapers want to go down that line of chasing. Uh, I'd much rather that actually religious views were kept completely out of politics because it's actually what you do and how you vote, not your personal belief should be how you get engaged in politics. And unfortunately, that sometimes rules people out even those people out who are, who are, who are non-Christian in certain countries and around the world, which shouldn't be the case. Everyone should have the opportunity to contribute to public life and society. And, and I, I wish the religious side of things was actually kept separate and that was something to someone's own personal belief and faith. Although I guess we would feel that uh, our religious convictions affect the way we perform publicly in the same way uh, a, a non or, or no everyone's got a worldview of which they present and if Theresa May will accept my invitation to come to this interview then I'll ask her about her faith and beliefs as, as well it would be great um, if you could but I, I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon uh, let's, let's move on to Brexit Brexit was interesting in Ipswich in particular, perhaps if we can try and keep it Ipswich focused, yep. 
because more people voted in Ipswich than the national average, and in Ipswich, significantly more people voted to leave than the national average. Nationally, the, the country, as we know, was more or less equally divided by a tad. So what were Ipswich voters actually saying when they said we want to leave, and why? I think that's why, we, why this general election is going to be fought on this particular issue. Um, I think, talking about Ipswich specifically, 41% uh, of uh, people of Ipswich constituency voted to stay in, 58, 9% voted to leave. Um, my view is that uh, there are different reasons why people voted to leave, and they're all respectable. You cannot say someone is ignorant or stupid just because they chose to vote to leave, and I think that's part of the media problem, again, that we have, where we um, put people in boxes when actually there were genuine reasons why people felt that was the best thing to do. The problem that we have is, though, that the, that sadly the country is not united on it. Um, and I think that's partly down to a mixture of lies and mistellings on both sides. And I'm going to be very clear, there are some things that Remain candidates said which weren't true, as well as Leave candidates. So you have to be very balanced about this. Um, what I would rather see, and you can obviously guess as a Liberal Democrat... Our policy is to remain, and I still strongly believe that we should, because I feel a European. Uh, I am married to a Finnish man. Uh, I have my good colleague Inga here, from, who's been here in 37 years from Denmark, and we welcome people from different countries, different backgrounds, different personalities, different views and thoughts. So, in essence, I believe that the constituency should have a candidate, who will support the 41%. Now, that may not be all of you. It may be only a very small part of you. You may not vote Liberal Democrat normally. You might vote Labour or you might vote Green. But I feel that every constituency has to have that option to vote in this general election because whether we like it or not, that's why we're having another one in a general election format rather than a referendum. Um, because the Liberal Democrat view would be that in future we should have a referendum another one, but on the first one on the deal. So everyone knows when whoever the Prime Minister is comes back from Brussels and we all look at the deal. And if we like it, and if I think there should be a two-thirds majority, so there can be no quibbling over percentage. If it's a two-thirds majority, which is what we had in other referendums, then it would be a very clear decision of what we've made. And if that decision happens to be that we decide to leave, then I am then at that point, I think that's where we have to finish it. But actually, I think if we um, do have that option to vote, I actually think we will want to remain once we see some of the deals. There will be different communities who will realise that they will be losing vital things, whether it's the farming community, whether it's the fishing community. And I think people will be far more interested in seeing what the actual deal is on the table when it's actually written down and it's not a load of sound bites from politicians of all colours and all persuasions to actually see what they're going to get if we do this. Can I pick up what you were saying about immigration? And mm. um, if, I, if I walk from here and buy some soup in town and come back, I, I could be in a foreign country. Uh, immigration has changed the landscape of parts of Ipswich. Mm -hmm. Why is that such a good thing? Well, I mean, for me, I, I believe that, um, as obviously living in London but coming from East Anglia, um, you know, having immigration brings different diverse people. It brings people who will do jobs in the NHS that no one else wants to do. 
It will, be, it will bring people who provide different skills and opportunities that we perhaps don't have here. And we have to take, make value, take those opportunities to learn from different people um, and respect that they may come from different countries, but they're here to do a job. They pay their taxes, just like we all do, and they should be, have the right to stay here. So, so is there any problem with immigration? For me, being a European, I've, I lived in France, I lived in Italy, I speak both those languages... Um, I live in, I have, obviously have a Finnish husband. Um, I believe that Europe is a, a group of nations. I don't believe that there's a federal Europe, and I, I make that distinction very clear. But I believe that we benefit from learning from others uh, and being living in a multicultural, diverse society. So is there any immigration policy that needs to change? In my view, no, because if we're in the single market, then we allow the freedom of movement of people, and therefore that wouldn't change. Okay. Very simple. Can I just move the subject yeah. on then? We're passionate about family. Yeah. We're passionate about marriage. We think that it's a stable uh, a thing, not only for bringing up children, but it, it makes the whole of society stable when relationships are strong and cohesive. What would the Lim Liberal Democrats do to, to, to say, we really believe in this, that society, this really matters for society to remain stable and strong, not least to save us this, the £44 billion pounds a year that uh, separation is costing the UK? That's an interesting point. I mean, here, this is where I'm not religious, I am married, and, and that's um, partly because of the work that I did to enable uh, same-sex couples to marry, which I was part of the uh, Liberal Democrat team that wrote the Equal Marriage uh, uh, Act or the Same-Sex Marriage Act in 2013, because I do believe everyone has the right to be married, whatever gender or sexuality you are. At the same time, those also bring families. Gay couples can adopt as well. So family is important to everybody. And everyone should have the opportunity to have a strong, stable family. But that doesn't mean that I don't think marriage should have a privilege over couples that may not want to get married. They may want to have a civil partnership, but not have the same trappings that marriage brings. Everyone has, again, everyone should have the right to choose for them what the best option is. So take that as a given for a yeah. moment. Um, what I think we're all concerned about is the way those relationships, whatever they are, and whatever the, the, the state or the religious environment is around it, that they're breaking down left, right, and center, and it's causing all kinds of havoc, not least on people's mental health, which perhaps we'll talk about in, in a moment. So what, what, what can we do to help people's relationships be more stable? I think that's where community comes in. I think you, we need people who have families who can work together to find solutions to working together may not necessarily be um, separating is not and divorcing is not the right option. But that, create, that means that people need to be perhaps more open and honest about perhaps their difficulties, have you know, specialist counselling to work through those issues and not give up at the first sign of trouble. Can and should government support that? I think through, certainly through counselling issues, uh, counselling services and through the NHS and again through mental health services, which we know is a massive issue in Ipswich. It's, uh, there's a recent documentary about how poor the mental health funding and services are in Ipswich. And I think we all know that relationships go up and down over the course of years. You have high points, you have low points, but you need to work together to balance those out. And I think the government, yes, does have a right in providing those services and support to help people keep together. But at the same time, if it isn't going to work, then there needs to be support, especially around people who have got children and families, to make sure the breakup is not 
uh, as bad as it might be, but to work around that and to help and support them in that. So, so it would be it would be my observation that uh, that, that that breakdown in relationships, all, all all kinds of relationships, not just a married yeah. or cohabiting or, or but but relationships in general, it is a massive factor in the mental health epidemic that is affecting our country. The resources are. are, are are nowhere near able to match what's going on. And we, there's all kinds of illustrations of that, statistically and on the ground. What, what would a Liberal Democrat government do to really dig in with mental health provision? Okay. Well, some of you may have seen the, um, the uh, announcement on Friday morning where we would put uh, 1p on income tax for everyone, whether that was on a lower rate or a higher rate to uh, invest six billion pounds, four billion into the National Health Service and two billion to social care, um, which includes mental health services. And I don't, I don't think there is any other way around it than actually having to put some money aside for those specific areas. Uh, we struggle across the country, not just in Ipswich, but everywhere that I know is struggling around mental health issues, whether that's young adolescent mental health, whether that's uh, older and uh, elderly people, or whether that's people in their middle ages who are struggling through work crises or family breakdowns or wh whatever the issue is. We all know it's a major issue, and the only way of really doing something about it is actually paying for an extra 1p on income tax to do it. It's something I support. Well, hopefully, I, I know Norman Lamb, the North Norfolk MP, extremely well. Uh, and I know that he... Um, you know, pushes very hard on mental health because it's something that's been seen as a Cinderella issue for many years and not treated on the same level as physical health. And I think, uh, knowing my own experience and my own journey that's had some mental health complexes over the years, um, it's something that we really have to look into very carefully and, and help younger people as well get through those issues at school and in teenage years because that's where some of the mental health issues begin uh, through bullying and through very much higher rates of suicide amongst young people. Uh, and we need to be able to do something about that, and the only way of doing it is actually investing in it. Those using food banks is growing. Uh, it's grown for the last seven years. Um, it's estimated that around 42% of people accessing food banks now are doing so because they're having problems with their benefits, or, or their benefits are changing, or it's got into a muddle. So there's a big benefits issue. Um, we also see it reflected in, in, in PIP, the personal independence payment uh, claims, where, where two-thirds of those claims on appeal get accepted. So vulnerable people are having money that they rightly should get delayed, and vulnerable people are having extra struggle to get it. Doesn't the benefit system need a huge overhaul, and what would the Liberal Democrats do? Absolutely agree. I mean, I'm afraid we've gone into this situation where we, we had a benefit system which was lots of different groups all individually put then we've had an idea of bringing it all together in one something called universal credit which i'm sure some of you are aware and understand and yet it still doesn't work it is not fit for purpose as a system the pip uh, systems unfortunately you know people who are struggling who are looking for help the last thing they need is to be told no you can't have benefits and then go through the process of appeals the amount of paperwork and bureaucracy that that creates just so, creates so what, more what would stress. you do what, what would we do I to would put it right redesign the system i'm sorry i mean it, it fundamentally doesn't work um unfortunately you know getting that position to be able to do something serious about that means having a liberal democrat government and that means people voting for those changes that we need um but I do believe that um, uh, within local councils, there is specialist work which people really should be doing. Certainly councillors, borough councillors, councillors, county councillors, who could be pushing their local parties, mm. their local MPs, to actually 
uh, bringing this issue far more into the limelight, which I think, sadly, is dismissed rather abruptly by the Conservative government currently, which just doesn't think it's an issue when it actually seriously is. And until we get people to argue that more strongly, nothing will change on it. The church is, is by far the biggest voluntary organisation in the UK. Uh, you've talked very openly about your own uh, sort of morality, your own religious views and so on. If I hear you correctly, you would prefer that we didn't have those views because I think they get in the way of serving in public life. The, the reality is it's because of those views that many of us do serve in public life at a local level. How would the Lib a Liberal Democrat government support us in that? What might we expect? to be? How, how would we be cheered on and encouraged, financed and, and, and valued for what's happening because, frankly, if the churches withdrew, local communities would fall apart. No, and I, I absolutely understand that. I mean, I think voluntary work in the community is an absolutely valuable part of our life. And we all do things differently in different areas, whether that's helping in charity shops, whether that's uh, working with uh, older age charities, all sorts of different elements. And we all provide time and energy for those. I have no problem with encouraging that from a state government perspective. I suppose my... Um, not difficulty, but re not reluctance either to involve church specifically. So I think there's lots of other ways that communities get involved in, not necessarily just the church. Mm -hmm. um, and I think church is important. It's important for the local community. It's where people gather, where people meet each other and help each other out in various different ways. But at the same time, there are other ways of doing that as well. So I think it's making a balance between all the different ways of helping charities and, and communities get together. Great. And let's fast forward. Our final question is the 8th of June. You're the MP for Ipswich. Uh, what changes might we expect to see? What are your hopes and dreams for this town over the next uh, four or five okay. years? Well, I think there are three, I think three or four things that I can rightly say. I think one of the things is around the NHS and, and mental health. It's obviously that Ipswich is struggling badly, and that's something that I would campaign on to support, um, ensuring that the funding was brought here, uh, and to, to change the way the services currently are provided. Um, secondly, education cuts. I know that there are many schools in Ipswich are being cut with funding, with the ideas of grammar schools coming back, which is something that the Liberal Democrats don't support. Um, I think there also needs to be major redesigns around transport infrastructure. Uh, we have the uh, northern bypass and, and the, the areas around that. I know from my um, experience living in Norwich and having the southern bypass, it was something that was needed greatly because of the traffic and the pollution that comes up through the centre of town. And I think that's something that really has to be severely looked at, along with the environmental constraints that that brings and how to plan that properly. Because at some point you get to a stage where if nobody does anything, then nothing gets better. So as your MP for Ipswich on June the 9th, if that was to happen, then I would be making sure that you got better access to services and better transport systems to get you moving and help Ipswich support its local people. And that's what I would do for you. Great. Can I pray with you just for a moment as you go into these five weeks? Father, we thank you for Adrian. We thank you for everyone willing to serve in public life. We recognize the sacrifice and the toll that that takes on individuals and on families. Would you give him strength? Would you give him insight and wisdom, and mercy, and compassion, and justice, and integrity, and openness in bucket loads. Sustain him, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so, so much. Thank you very much, everyone.
Great. Karen's going to come, I think, and 